Let's pray again before we seek to listen to God's word and respond to it. Would you bow with me? Father, so good to sing your praises together as a church family. You are the one that we adore, that we worship. You are our creator. You are the God of the universe, the Lord of lords, the King of kings, the glorious one, the majestic one, the one worthy of all honor and praise. And we are so grateful and humble to be your people. And we're so grateful that you have chosen to reveal yourself to us and speak to us and work within us through your word. Let us please now not waste these moments. Let us apply ourselves diligently to listening for your voice, knowing that your word is living and active and it's sharper than any double-edged sword and it cuts right down to the heart of the matter, to the separation of the joints and the marrow. And we know it's powerful and it does not go forth without accomplishing your purposes. So we, we are excited to receive your word now. Please work among us in Jesus' name. Amen. So our passage this morning, and I'll invite you to find it in your Bibles, is Genesis chapter 11. Genesis chapter 11, and we'll be looking at verses 1 through 9. Genesis 11, 1 through 9. And I will get straight to the point with you. The big idea of our passage in the sermon today is that we are meant to call upon the name of the Lord, not to make a name for ourselves. We are meant to call upon the name of the Lord, not to make a name for ourselves. Today in our culture, we are everywhere tempted to try to make a name for ourselves. We live in an age of personal branding, where young people coming up have to monitor their personal brand on social media and cultivate an image of who they are. And we're all pulled into that to some degree to try to make a name of ourselves somehow. If it's not making a name for ourselves personally, it may be that we get pulled into working together and rallying around some other name that man makes for themselves, trying to make a name for our family or our company or our country or our favorite team or our favorite band or whatever it may be. We are perpetually tempted to instead of holding up the name of the Lord and calling upon his name and glorifying him, to call upon and rally around and center our lives around lower names. And it's not a new problem, it's an ancient problem. And the futility and frustration that comes from that kind of lifestyle is not new either. And neither is the deep desire that we have for freedom from those lesser pursuits. So we're going to read this passage together, Genesis 11, 1 through 9, and just let the Bible point us to the freedom from these pressures that is found in Jesus Christ. Just a little reminder of the context as we get into chapter 11. What we are seeing is the Bible is explaining how all the peoples of the earth dispersed and were distributed throughout the world from Noah and his three sons. We started to talk about that last week. This is continuing to tell that part of history how people came to populate the entire earth from just those three sons. Let's start with verse 1. Now the whole earth had one language and the same words. So there was a time when there was just one language for the entire earth, and not only one language, but, but one use of words, one vocabulary. 
So just because we all speak English doesn't mean we all use the same words in the same ways. The example I always think of for that is when I first went to college and I had a roommate from Morganton, North Carolina. We're both English speakers and both from the same state, both from North Carolina. And yet much of the things that he would say made no sense to me. Uh, the, the best example that I can remember is one of our first nights together, living together, watching TV and eating pork chops together and just living the dream, basically. And he says to me, cut it up. And I thought he was, for some reason, concerned with how big of bites I was taking for my pork chop or something. And after a few minutes of confusion, he finally clarified, no, he meant turn the volume up on the TV. But he said, cut it up. I, that's not the way I use that word. But back then, at this time, everybody used the same words for the same meanings. It was, can you imagine the unity that we would feel with humanity if we all had one language and one vocabulary? That's what they enjoyed. But there is a problem at the heart of humanity where we use our advantages for the wrong goals. And that's what they did, starting at verse 2. And as people migrated from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. And they said to one another, Come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and bitumen for mortar. Then they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens. And let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. Now, if you're just parachuting into Genesis 11 so far, this probably doesn't seem like a problem. They're united by language and words, and they're settling together. It's this picture of unity, and they're being industrious. They're making these, these really good bricks to, to build a really tall tower and to cultivate a city and build a city. So what's the problem? Well, if you remember leading up to this point, God has an agenda with humanity. He is up to something specific with humanity. In Genesis 1.28, after he created Adam and Eve, after he created mankind, he blesses them and says, Now be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. And then things go badly and he floods the earth as we know and then uh, preserves Noah and his family. And when Noah comes out of the ark, God blesses Noah and his family now with the exact same commission. Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. That's in Genesis 9, verse 1. And then leading up to this story, we can tell that this filling of the earth is what is on God's mind as he inspires this history of the Tower of Babel. Back in chapter 9, verse 19, the beginning of our passage from last week, when he introduces the history of Noah's sons, he says, from these, the people of the whole earth were dispersed. That's what he's trying to explain as he goes through this history of Noah's sons. And then all through chapter 10, through their genealogies, he, he mentions three times that he's describing the way the clans and the nations and the families and the languages got dispersed over the whole earth. And then he ends that chapter in verse 32, the verse directly preceding chapter 11, by saying, these are the clans of the sons of Noah. And then at the end of the verse, from these the nations spread abroad on the earth after the flood. So I share all that with you just to make sure we all see scripturally that's what is on our minds as we read this passage. How did the people of, of the world get everywhere across the whole world? 
with all these languages? How is it that it's all spread about and dispersed? Clearly, that's what God's agenda was for humanity, but here we see that initially they resisted his will. They resisted God's will, and instead of spreading abroad, they pursued what we see at the second part of verse 4. Let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. So instead of being dispersed over the face of the whole earth, the alternative in their minds, let's instead make a name for ourselves. A name in the Old Testament meant a reputation. It meant fame. It was the, um, the complete package of someone's or a people's character and history, all that made them glorious. Everything you would need to know about them is characterized by that name. We might use the word brand in our mod- modern speech. Let's make a brand for ourselves. Let's, let's create a reputation for ourselves. Let's do something truly awesome here together. Because with our shared language, we communicate so well. Instead of doing this thing God's told us to do and spread out over the earth, let's just, let's just work together here and do our own thing. Let's make a name for ourselves. Now, the problem is God intended to fill the earth with people who would call upon his name. We see that back in Genesis 4.26. After Cain killed Abel, God blessed Adam and Eve with another son named Seth. And as that family lineage began, it says, And then people began to call upon the name of the Lord. That's what he wanted. A whole earth full of people calling upon his name. Not one cluster of people making a name for themselves. He wanted the earth filled with people who trusted him, trusted in his name, depended upon his name, praised his name, expressed gratitude to his name, loved his name, adored his name, admired his name. But instead, the people decided, let's be awesome together. Let's be the Shinar City and Tower Builders. Let's, let's create a logo with a tower on it and put it on all of our T-shirts. Let's create a tower logo and put it on a static cling on all the backs of our cars. We are the Tower Builders of, Sh- of Shinar. We are the awesome ones. Whenever we see each other, we'll high-five and say, Tower Power. Because we have made a name for ourselves here in Shinar. God sees all this and gets involved, verses 5 and 6. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of man had built. And the Lord said, Behold, they are one people, and they have all one language. And this is only the beginning of what they will do. And nothing that they propose to do will now be impossible for them. So God takes notice of what's going on. And in this sort of personifying language, he gets involved. It says he comes down, but he gets involved. And his concern is that apart from his intervention, their rebellious pride is going to know no boundaries. They will spend the rest of their lives pursuing their own glory, making a name for themselves instead of what he designed them to do, which is spread across the earth and call upon his name. So he gives them a limit so that they will not be forever consumed with this vain pursuit of making a name for themselves. Verses 7 and 8. Come, let us go down and there confuse their language, so that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord dispersed them from there over the face of all the earth, and they left off building the city. And then we see the final result in verse 9. Therefore, its name was called Babel, 
because there the Lord confused the language of all the earth. And from there the Lord dispersed them over the face of the earth. So they wanted a name for themselves, and they got a name. It was the name Babel, which means confusion. It's very similar to, to a word that meant tower to the gods or to the heavens. So it's kind of an ironic play on words here. What they gained was confusion and humiliation. And then they were dispersed over all the face of the earth. And that's the story of the Tower of Babel. Many of you are familiar with it. If you've grown up in church, you know something about what happened at the Tower of Babel. And you might be saying to yourself, this is, if I'm honest, kind of feels like an irrelevant fairy tale because I am not presently a part of any great tower building project. I'm just trying to live my life. Well, I think this is extremely relevant to us. Remember, Genesis forms our worldview about the foundational pillars of reality. It teaches us the foundational truths of who God is and what he cares about, who humanity is and what humanity is designed to be and do, what reality is and what it is all aiming toward. So we do need to take in this, this overall point that our purpose in life, yours and mine, is to call upon the name of the Lord, not to make a name for ourselves. God is still spreading people over the whole earth who will call upon his name. If you think about the Great Commission in Matthew 18, 19, it is to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in what? In the name of Doolin's Grove, give them a Doolin's Grove t-shirt when they emerge from the waters. No, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. This is still the mission. It is all culminating in what is described in Revelation 7, 9, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages standing before the throne. This is what God is working on. This is what he is moving toward. He is building this global praise team of humanity from all around the world throughout human history. So our question for ourselves as we want to respond to God's word and not just be informed by it is is my aim aligned with his are our aims in life aligned with his aim for our lives or are we pursuing our own side building projects are we more passionate about making a name for ourselves or any other human enterprise than we are about God's name. As I've been wrestling with this this week and wanting to take this seriously and wanting to let the Lord search my own heart and reveal to me any of my own rebellious pride, any of my own self-seeking, make a name for myself, nature, I've stumbled upon just that, that question we always run into, how? How do I make myself care more about God's name than I do my own name or other human enterprises and things that I can see and that are tangible here. I mean, in a sense, trying to tell someone to care more about God's name than they care about their own name is kind of like telling a child, like vegetables. Don't just know they're healthy for you. Like them. Love them. If we're real honest, we almost can't change our tastes here. We are just like all of humanity from the time of the Tower of Babel. We are just prone to love lesser things. 
to care about lesser things, to devote ourselves to lesser things, to build lesser things. The wrong way to walk away from this sermon and this passage would be to feel condemned because we know from the New Testament there is now therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The wrong way to walk away would be to feel just tons of pressure and guilt to walk out and say, oh, I am such a loser. I can't remember the last time I sang a praise song to a stranger in the checkout line at Aldi. I'm going to just have to try harder. I'm feeling from this angle from the world all this pressure to make a name for myself, to present an image, to stay up to date with everybody else, not to look um, like I'm behind, not to look foolish, not to look silly. And now I'm feeling this pressure from the church side to forsake all that and do better and praise God all the time. I guess I just have to try to do better. How can we escape the, the trap, the quicksand of trying to make a name for ourselves and embrace God's great, awesome, glorious purpose for our lives of calling upon his name? Well, the answer is the right answer to every question if you grew up going to Sunday school. Jesus Christ. That is the answer to the dilemma. Jesus Christ. It is through believing in Jesus Christ that we find freedom from this pressure of making a name for ourselves. And it's through the grace of Jesus Christ that we find heart transformation to love the right things and to begin to see God for his true actual glory. The right way to leave this passage in this word this morning is relieved because in Jesus Christ, God forgives this idolatry inherent in humanity. And he frees us from these pressures and these traps and these snares that everybody around us is all tangled up in. And he transforms us over time. So the good news is this morning, we can call upon the Lord right now. Even if, if you know and the Holy Spirit's convicting you right now, man, I have spent most of my life trying to build a name for myself, trying to protect my reputation, trying to keep from looking foolish, or I've devoted my life to some lesser cause. I've made my whole life about my sports team that I champion. I've made my whole life about my company that I've worked for. You can call upon the Lord right now in that instead of beating yourself up or regretting it. You can call upon the Lord right now through Jesus Christ for forgiveness from that. And you can call upon the Lord right now through Jesus Christ for for freedom from that. And you can call upon the Lord through the grace of the Father, through the Son, Jesus Christ, for transformation, to have the right affections, to see God's glory for what it is, to love his name as you were designed to. And those are prayers that he will answer. God frees us from this. This isn't a you ought to do better passage. This is a praise God we don't have to live this way passage. He frees us from these things, these futile, frustrating pursuits that the world loves so much. We're free from it. And we get to call upon the name above all names. So my prayer is that we will leave here experiencing all the freedom and peace and joy that comes from that freedom of self-orientation, the freedom and joy and peace that comes from worshiping God, calling upon his name. Let's pray. 
Father, thank you for your word, this ancient history that is still so modern. I pray that there would not be a single person in this room or associated with this church who feels hopelessly entangled in the vain pursuits of this world. Let us not fall into the traps of making a name for ourselves. Lord, through Jesus, let us be freed from all of that. Let us rest in your endeavor to glorify your name. Let us find our place in that great big project of yours. Loosen our lips to sing your praises, to speak openly of your glory, to spread the fame of your good name. Because your name is glorious and majestic and awesome and wonderful. Help us to feel it. Help us to enjoy it, to rejoice in it. In Jesus' name, amen.